Good morning, everybody. Happy Winter of Discontent Day and welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by the first time on the News Agenda Virgin, the Mirror's political correspondent, Ashley Calburn. Good morning, Ashley. Morning. Now, be gentle with him, everybody. It's his first time. Now, this is the People's Paper Review. So get into the comments, ask us your questions. We'll do our best to answer them for you. Those of you listening later on podcast will just have to join the picket lines and see how far you get. So what have we got for you today? Well, the Mirror has splashed on the fact that all the Welsh people have been freed from football jail in the repressive state of Qatar and can now fly home to freedom. But if you want that explained, you can get it somewhere else because we're going to move on to page six, where, as I said, it's the official start of the winter of discontent as post workers, sixth form staff and university lecturers all start strikes today. Now, the railways are going to see another four days of strikes in the run up to Christmas. Train cleaners are downing tools for three days, including New Year's Eve. And here it looks like the Royal College of Nursing says 100,000 nurses are set to work, walk out of the NHS for two days on December the 15th and 20th. So don't trip over and bang your head then. Ashley, let's take this one step at a time, Ash. The sure. whole point of striking is to cause disruption and inconvenience. Hmm. And this many people in this many jobs is going to be far more noticeable, isn't it, than just, say, a picket line outside a sorting office? Oh, yeah, I mean, completely. You've got 100,000 uh, nurses now that belong to the uh, the Royal College of Nursing now. It's their first strike in 106, year, 106 years in their existence. Um, so they've announced their strikes for December. Um, I think at first they're going to have half the sh- half their workforce in England going out. Um, and then you also notice in the story as well, like last night, that the Unison Union came out and announced that uh, in, in the first time in 30 years there as well, that ambulance workers will be going out on strike. So we're talking about 999 callers here as well, not just nurses. And the GMB Union later today will announce whether their members who are also ambulance workers will go out before Christmas. Um, so we could see this coordinated strike here between ambulance workers and uh, nurses during the winter, um, which is going to have a huge disruption on the NHS, especially at a time when the government is so concerned about the backlog. We've got 7.5 million people waiting for non-urgent treatment and um, cancer services. Um, so the, the ramifications of this are going to be enormous. And at the same time, we, they, there seems to be this sort of um, brinkmanship between the government and the unions. And Steve Barclay is suggesting that these demands are unaffordable. I mean, what's unaffordable to many of those people working in the health service is the cost of living, eating eating into their incomes and sort of soaring price price of energy bills and food prices. Exactly. This is kind of the brinkmanship I don't quite see as I can't quite understand. The issue, I suppose... Um, is whether the public have a lot of support for this. So, I mean, get into the comments, everybody. Let us know your questions. Do you support the nurses and the ambulance workers going out and strike, the call handlers, all these other people? Do you think they're justified in doing that? Are you concerned about um, use of the NHS in that time? Are you waiting for an outpatient appointment that's being put back and put back and put back? Are you one of the 7 million? Let us know. Um, I know my dad is because he's still waiting for hearing aids and that keeps getting put back. But... That's not urgent, is it? Quite the same way. The issue, I suppose, is whether, Ash, these these strikes are actually going to work in terms of bringing the government to the table and getting some more pay. So you've got public, you've got, there's lots of unions and jobs involved here and they all want different things. But by and large, they want more money for their members Mm. to deal with inflation, as you say, and the cost of living. 
the bosses and the, the government say that they can't afford it, but the workers are saying, well, they can't afford to live without it. So leaving Royal Mail aside for a bit, which is a private company, the others all have their pay set or sort of somehow influenced by the government, don't yeah. they? So they can fix this if they want to. Why? Why don't they want to, Ash? I mean, it's, it's the independent bodies that the government have set up which agree um, the pay rises for nurses and different... Uh, the independent sectors. bodies who always seem to do exactly what the government want them to do. How, how completely independent? Um, but I think, I, mean, I think the government see this as if, if they sort of fall to the demands of one union that they're going to have to cater to the demands of all of them. Um, and in particular at the moment, I mean, last night as well, you also got, so two weeks ago, the civil servants, 100,000 members voted to go on strike as well. And that's at 124 government departments. You're talking about the Home Office, the Department for Working Pensions. So last night, you got the first two of those, you, uh, the first two of those government departments. I think it was the DV, um, not the, the, the Driving Examiner's um, uh, Department. And the DVLA. 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 Right. And the, the uh, Rural Payments Agency, so they're both going on strike, rolling regional strikes from December to January. Um, so these are going to impact driving tests across the country. And that's just the first two of 124 government departments organised by the Public Commercial Services Union. And on top of that, you have the posters, you've got the university staff, you've got mm. NHS staff, possibly junior doctors in the future, teachers... I mean, the government is going to have to do something. It is going to have to move to prevent this sort of winter of discontent that we've been talking about. Yeah, I don't really see how it can block pay rises for all of those people. And it's going to have to start, you know, negotiating here or there. The Royal Rural Payments Agency goes out. They're the people who organise the subsidy payments to farmers yes. all over the country. So, you know, farmers are going to find that they don't have money in their bank account that month if, if those things carry on. Now, Nick says, I'm behind these strikes. They have a right to be paid a living wage and not have to accept, for example, zero hours contracts. Um, we do have a right to strike. Everybody should have a right to strike. I don't because I'm freelance. If I go out to strike, I just don't get paid. And no one cares if I just stop working, apart from our few regular listeners here, of course. Um, but, you know, they've got a lot of public support so far for these strikes, Ash, it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, but they haven't really kicked in yet, have they? They haven't really fully started. The full list of the NHS staff who might strike includes, as you already mentioned, the 999 call handlers, ambulance technicians, paramedics, cleaners, hospital porters, hospital pharmacists, admin staff, midwives and junior doctors, never mind the nurses, of course. If they all go out, Ash, it becomes something of a, an NHS-wide strike, doesn't it? The entire NHS just stops. If the pharmacists aren't there, who's dispensing the medicines? You know, Can the government really afford to let it get that far? Or is it, it's going to have to come to the table. It's going to have to tumble at some point, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the truth is the government can't afford to let it go that far. I mean, we were talking earlier about the NHS backlog. I mean, I think Rishi Sunak in the summer during the Tory leadership contest was suggesting that this would be one of his number one priorities. I think we've seen in recent weeks he's got a lot of number one priorities and it's a bit unclear which one of those is the number one priority. Um, but at the same time, you'll see the story that's just below this piece in the paper, which is... Uh, Steve Barclay and the health department being wrapped by the UK Statistics Authority for putting out basically dodgy and misleading graphs on nurses' pay, sort of exaggerating the increase of it. And I don't, this isn't really the way to conduct negotiations, is to annoy the unions. And 
sort of, I think we're using the word gaslighting. Um, so the government should be getting around the table and thrashing out a deal instead of putting out misleading graphs on social media, uh, exaggerating the scale of nurses, how much nurses pay has gone up in recent yeah, and of course, you know, Transport Secretary refused to meet Mick Lynch, things like that. So there, there have been, there have been worth, issues where they yeah. haven't come to the table at all, isn't it? It's worth saying with the Transport Secretary, he's definitely adopted a more conciliatory tone than his predecessor, Grant Shapps. So Mark Harper's actually getting around the table and discussing with the RMT oh. steps forward. Um, so you have, I think last week, uh, Mick Lynch came out of the meeting outside the Department for Transport. We were standing outside there. Um, and, and after one protester disappeared, who said God was coming before Mick Lynch arrived, um, <laughs> he, after Mick Lynch briefly hid behind a post, so he didn't want to get involved in that processor, um, he appeared back and he said he had a positive meeting with Mark Harper, the new transport secretary. Um, but he said there are there obviously still are stumbling blocks. They've got to discuss pay, um, yeah. pensions, etc. Um, but whether we're closer to a deal, I think that's uncertain. The unions, the RMT particularly, is still waiting for a letter from the Department for Transport, sort of setting out the mandate for... Um, well, they won't get the letter because the posties have gone out on strike. Exactly. Um, it, does, it does at least go to show that, you know, Grant Shapps, he said that he couldn't negotiate and it was nothing to do with him, rail pay. Exactly. And then Mark Harper has come to the table and is negotiating exactly that. So it just goes to show Grant Shapps was wrong. And the issue here, I think, is it's ideology, isn't it, and how things look rather than whether or not they're capable of fixing it. Now, Mike says, the government says it can't afford a decent pay rise for nurses, but it had no problem finding billions for PPE contracts for their mates, billions for HS2, and wanted to spend hundreds of millions of pounds on a royal yacht. There's always money when they want to spend it on their projects. He's got a point, hasn't he, Ash? It's when we want it spent on us, there's always a bit of an argument. He certainly does have a point. I mean, it's worth saying the Royal Yacht, I think, was binned by Rishi Sunak last week. Um, it's disposing of another one of Boris Johnson's legacies. Um, but I think you had a story on Monday as well, which was discussing the scale of COVID loan fraud as well during the pandemic. And that sort of reached sort of four or five billion pounds. Um, this is such a huge scale of money. I mean, governments always find money down the back of the safer. You're I don't think you can remember Theresa May during the 2017 general election campaign, the sort of ill-fated election gamble, when there was a particular moment during one of the debates when she turned around to a nurse who was struggling with the cost of living uh, at that moment. And she just turned around to her and said, there's no, there's no magic money tree. Um, and then sort of after the election, when her political authority was sort of, sort of evaporated, she suddenly found money to end the pay freeze of the public sector. Yeah, there is no magic money tree, except when we want to see the magic money tree. 2017, it seems like a lifetime ago now, Ash. Mm. So much has happened since then. Um, oh, Crikey, it's only five years. Uh, how much younger and less grey we all were at the time. Now, Jonathan says, it's years of Tory neglect catching up with them. We have had 12 years of Tory rule and a good... I suppose seven or eight years of them have been ideological rather than the first few, probably a bit more practical, but it's it's not been good, has it? Now, keep asking your questions. What do you think about all these strikes? Are you joining them? Are you worried about them? Are you concerned about how you're going to get to work? Let us know. Uh, but the one obvious thing which occurs in all this, Ash, before we move on to the next story, is that at what point we start calling this a general strike? 
Now, in 1926, which is almost a century ago now, that was the first general strike was when almost every union walked out. And unions then were massive. We had a lot of heavy industry. It made a massive difference to the country. Today, the economy is far more services based, but the public sector is a third of every of the working population, pretty much. If large parts of it stop work for a day or two, including the civil service, which keeps everything on the tracks, and we will know all about it. Do you think, Ash, that we're going to escalate to the point where we are going to be calling this a general strike at some point over the winter? Or is that too much of a worry? I think I think the idea of a general strike is a bit of a misnomer, to be honest, um, because, I mean, ju- largely due to the anti-trade union laws that we have in this country that have been introduced since the 1920s. Um, I think because in the, I think in the 1920s, you had sort of industries walking out in sympathy with other unions. Yeah. Um, and, and you just wouldn't get that now because the sort of thresholds and ballots that unions have to meet to ensure that their workers are going out on strike legally. Um, you mean you have to get a 50% threshold just to go out on strike. The idea of workers from other sectors just coming out on sympathy strikes, I think is a long way off. Um, but I mean, you, I mean, I was born in the 90s and I've never seen a scale of unrest this big. Um, I think it's the 1980s, 1979 winter of discontent was the largest, the second largest uh, event of disruption that's happened. Um, I think we're a long way off a general strike, but certainly the biggest scale of unrest in the last sort of 30 years or so. Yeah, that's why it's, it's being called the winter of discontent. I was born shortly before uh, the last winter of discontent because I'm much, much older and more grizzled than you, Ash. Um, and I can remember the mid-80s and Scargill and the miners' strikes uh, and Orgreave and Wapping. And there was a lot of unpleasantness during all of that, I can recall. And that was ideological as well on both sides to some extent. Michael says, we're once again going to have a winter of discontent. Perhaps you might have a general strike in the sense that it's just general striking going on, as opposed to a union going out in sympathy with another union. It would actually just be that everyone's managed to meet the 50% Mm. ballot threshold and you just end up with strikes in all general directions and we'll be calling it a general strike perhaps. But we'll have to wait and see, won't we? Um, Let's hope everyone gets through the winter without being too badly affected by that, especially if you need to go to hospital for anything. Um, But get into the comments, ask us your questions, let us know how you feel about all of that. But first off, uh, we're going to move on to another story now. Speaking of people not working and doing their jobs properly, when he went into the jungle, Matt Hancock vowed that as soon as he was out, he'd be on the first plane back home to deal with his constituency work. But lo and behold, he wasn't telling us the truth, everybody. Uh, It seems he missed the first few planes home, which the other celebrities took. He even missed the plane home that his girlfriend was on. And he stayed behind to do a big money ka-ching-a-ling TV interview instead and is actually heading back later today. Um, Now, Ash, we spoke on Monday on this show that he has legislation about dyslexia screening to present sure. to Parliament on Friday when no one else is in Parliament anyway. But he's had the whip withdrawn, hasn't he? What is his, on the on the ground from the MPs that you speak to, what is his reception going to be like when he does finally meander back in all tanned and slim from a diet of rice and beans? <laughs> um, well, I'm sure he'll have lots of stories to tell to some of those MPs. But I was thinking whether he'd actually be at PMQs today. Um, another jungle, Prime Minister's questions. Um, uh, it appears unlikely from what he said last night. He said that he's going to meet with his constituents first and sort of um, catch up with those after neglecting them for two weeks. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But I think the first time we're going to see him in Parliament is probably going to be Friday. Um mm-hmm. 
we'll keep an eye on PMQs at noon today, just see if we're wrong. But on Friday, he's obviously got his dyslexia bill, as you mentioned. Um, and on Fridays, common sittings, you sort of have minimal MPs in the co- in the chamber um, sort of pre- presenting their private members' bills. And, I mean, it's extremely rare for private members' bills to actually pass the commons. And it's going to be incredibly difficult now he's out of favour with the government um, to actually get this over the line. Um, and I also think... I think in Nadine Doris, in, I think she was on I'm a Celeb in 2012, 2013. And I think she expected to come back and have the the whip restored. Um, but she was told by the chief whip at the time that she has to rebuild bridges with her MPs and her constituents before that would happen. I think the chief whip might be telling um, Mark Hancock a quite similar story this time around. Mm. Whether he can build those bridges uh, as easily as Nadine did, who knows. Uh, but of course, I think it took about six months for her to get the um, the whip back. And by that point, he may be significantly nearer having to give evidence to a public inquiry. So we'll have to see. Now, Mike says, has Matt Hancock actually arrived home to do his job or has he developed a taste for kangaroo privates? I suppose it's, those people are talking... Um, Ash, about whether or not Matt has, sees his way out of politics from this. There's been almost a dozen Tory MPs have announced they're stepping down at the next election. Um, he was snubbed by Rishi Sunak when he took over the leadership. So does Matt Hancock think perhaps he's, uh, his political career is on the way out and um, he's going to be having to go and do something else, you know, end up on Strictly next or something? Well, I was just I was just thinking to Mike. I think I think the Mirror reported that he was getting a um, flight home after Gina six hours later after doing a lucrative interview first. Wait, wait to remain to see what actually happened in that interview or who did the interview with. Um, but he is, I don't know. His allies are saying in Parliament that he will stay in politics. Um, we will. That is obviously. He's got allies. Who are but, they? No. Allies, he's, he's, um, he's people that work for him, I, I guess we say. He's <laughs> uh, allies are few and far between these days. Um, yeah. But I think, I don't know, we, I, I think he'll test the sort of um, temperature of the Commons when he returns. And if there's any possibility of him getting the whip back. I think, I think Matt Hancock still thinks one day he will return to the Cabinet. Um, I think he still has that in his mind. Um, it's quite obvious from the, I don't know. But I think... If he, if he manages to rebuild bridges, perhaps he will see himself back as an MP. But I think it is at this moment in time, it's more like we're going to see a sort of Ed Davey character. Um, Ed Ball's character, not Ed Davey, sorry. Um, <laughs> sort of going on too strictly and becoming a sort of celebrity. Yeah. Oh, God, I don't want to have to see any more of his dancing. The first bout was bad enough. But you make a very good point as well. In the sort of spring that's coming up, he will be um, obviously subject to the COVID public inquiry which is going to have the power to compel witnesses. And obviously a lot of his time is going to be spent answering questions from that committee on the government's preparedness for the pandemic, the dealing with the initial wave, the testing infrastructure. And he's going to have a lot of searching and real questions to ask there, to answer there. Um, so he is going to be, a, we are going to be seeing a lot of him over the next few months, um, just not beating kangaroo testicles and um, answering questions from his constituents and now, all i all i want to do is see him eat some humble pie now mike says i hope he's asked during that debate how much of his i'm a celebrity fee will be donated to dyslexia charities mike i suspect the labor mps will be queuing up behind the speaker's chair to ask exactly that question 
uh, and the speaker may well have to stop people asking it more than once um, if they don't get a satisfactory answer. We'll have to see, won't we, if anybody is actually going to turn up on Friday, because Fridays, of course, is MPs constituency day. Generally speaking, that's when private members bills get presented and they, you know, don't get very much support sometimes, but whether he's going to get more or less for it, having been in the jungle and mentioned dyslexia all the three times while he was there, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? Um, now, uh, keep asking us your questions. Let us know how you feel about Matt Hancock being back at work. Do you think he should go out and strike? Do you think he's getting reasonable fair paying conditions? Do let us know. Would any of us notice, uh, apart from those in his West Suffolk constituency, if he didn't do any work? Uh, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? If you're an anti-vaxxer, don't bother because we're not going to put your comments up. Now, we do have some good news in the world. We managed to find it for you. I've had sort of goodish. Uh, and here it is. Now, if you thought Noddy Holder screaming, it's Christmas, every time you go to the shops is bad, or get in the car, or turn on the radio, then spare a thought, please, for Mrs Holder. Not only does she have exactly the same problem, uh, but imagine walking to a shop and hear your husband yelling, no matter what you were, shop you were in. But Noddy also, she has revealed, wakes her up on Christmas morning, every Christmas morning, by yelling it in her ear. And she says it's much louder in person than it is on the record. Ash, is this proof um, that to be married for a long time requires a level of sainthood that most of us simply don't have any chance of starting? <laughs> or is it just that if you're the one cashing the royalties checks, you can put up with just about anything? I think, it, I think it's probably a mix. There is, I mean, I was reading this story this morning. It did make me laugh, this quote of her entering i mean we, we all get sick of christmas songs um going into supermarkets over christmas and doing a bit of christmas shopping hearing the same songs on repetitively repetitively songs since sort of the beginning of november um we're into december tomorrow but she says she goes around the shops and she she's trying to do her christmas shopping and she has this bizarre experience of her husband's voice following her everywhere um so it's a scale up for her um mm. so some, some sympathy there i think I have some sympathy, but I think I think the fact that she's putting up for it for so long is probably because she is she is literally the one cashing in on it. So you can't really moan too much if every time you hear it, you get another 50 quid or whatever mm. it is, 50 pence. Christmas and if Christmas. everyone's hearing it, you know. Although interestingly, she says that when Noddy, Noddy stopped going Christmas shopping, because every time he goes into a shop, it seems to come on. He seems to affect the playlist. It's his presence that just makes it ping, which is interesting. Um, right. Thank you, everybody, for taking part in that. Thank you, Ash, for explaining the strikes to us. Um, I'm sure we'll have more to discuss about that as the next few weeks come along. Um, the Christmas started in this house some time ago because I have a six-year-old so I'm already fed up of Noddy Holder but uh, I can put up with it for a bit longer if you're listening to us on podcast please leave us a review so other people can track us down um, and uh, there will be PMQs later on the, the Mirror's social channel so keep an eye on that at noon uh, and in the meantime we'll see you again next Monday for another edition of the News Agenda. Tatty bye everybody <laughs> <laughs>